A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to My Good Bad Brain. Um, As usual, this is just me posting the Good Bad Brain that we record live on Sundays. Uh, Dr. Nick and I. Dr. Nick is a regular feature of My Good Bad Brain now, which is great because now we have an actual professional that people can talk to. And that is the main thing that I was excited about this new season of doing this is creating a way for, I don't know, more resources to be readily available to people who are out there who might want somebody to ask questions of related to mental health, but you know, accessibility is still an issue in our society with our terrible health system and money and things like that. And now you can't even leave your house. So, uh, it's even better. It's even better. If you want to talk to a medical, the mental health professional, you can do it with Dr. Nick every Sunday, um, at the, my good, bad brain podcast recording live stream thing. Um, speaking of, I'm going to change this week. We're going to go to YouTube and try YouTube because something I didn't realize. I mean, Allie pointed out to me and she was totally right. Mixer. I'm just used, not used to this. You know, I'm like new to this streaming thing. Mixer. Apparently you need to have like some Microsoft account to like log into it. And that's, you have to have that if you want to post questions and things like that. It's a whole rigmarole. And I didn't really realize the barrier to entry was so difficult. I thought you could just sign in, like you could not even sign in, just go to the YouTube, like the URL, where, rather, and just do it. So whatever. Long story short is I'm going to switch to YouTube, try to stream on YouTube. You, you, Allie did a live stream on YouTube that went well for her Patreon and stuff. And I was like, yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. Because a lot of people, if you have a Google account, you have a YouTube account, and maybe that'll make it easier for people to engage and talk and ask questions, whatever. So we're going to do that. Uh, so that's one thing. It'll be at my old ass YouTube channel, youtube.com slash J sleeper, which, uh, it's just my name. It's my initial J Jared sleeper. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reiterate that in posts, but whatever, that's one thing. And then, uh, yeah, so this app, I'm not going to talk too much longer because I just want people to get into the app. Uh, we talk about everything on there. I, I wanted to ask, I mean, I basically want to kick off this idea of like, what's the difference between staying positive, but not toxic positive, you know, which is a thing, you know, this sort of thing of instead of, um, I don't know, the fine line between 
positive ideation, believing you can change your state, working towards changing your state, your mental health state, your your physical state, whatever your circumstances, but not in a way that's like this sort of deranged denial of reality that lacks any kind of like real empathy or compassion for yourself or others. And we encounter those things a lot. You know, that sort of uh, the, this the most obvious version is just like, well, just stop being so upset. Like, you know, like, like just just think positively. Just think more positively. Uh, totally not taking into account the reality of your experience, right? So I wanted to ask Dr. Nick about his thoughts that because in in this quarantine thing, I feel like that's a thing that's going around a lot. Is like for me at least, I'm trying to keep my spirits up, but also acknowledge when things are overwhelming or I don't feel great, and that I think that's very necessary to actually improving your situation is looking at it for what it is. So that's kind of the jumping off point here. And uh, it always is just a jumping off point. Obviously, people engage and you know we talk and it goes where it goes. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope you will join us this Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific. We'll live stream again. Uh, but I'm going to do it from youtube.com slash jsleeper. I think you'll be able to just find the live there. That's That should work out all good and fine. And um, yeah, it'll be really fun. If you enjoyed the pod, uh, feel free to check out My Good Bad Brain on Patreon, patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. That's super helpful to keeping this thing uh, going. And uh, yeah, you can also like leave reviews. Those, those, any kind of like positive reviews are like so helpful to, you know, getting in the algorithms and people having some nice stuff to read when they go to look for the pod. And uh, tell your friends and send your questions if you have any. You can send them to mygoodbadbrain at gmail.com, questions or topics. Uh, and, um, you know, yeah, join us. It's going to be fun. We'll be back uh, we'll be back up on this Sunday. So we'll see you Sunday. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. How you doing, bud? Good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well. I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm uh okay. No, I'm feeling good. I think it's like I'm I'm like I'm like semi-dismayed, I guess. I don't know, dismayed's the wrong word. Um and actually it's sort of related to the themes I wanted to ask you about today. Uh about like how I'm, I'm like feeling pretty good still in this uh, quarantine thing. I think like the world's doing this press pause thing feels oddly focusing to me. Yeah, I think part of it might have to do with um having you know ADHD and depressiony kind of things or anxiety related things, but mostly ADHD stuff where like regular society and life has like never made a lot of sense to me, and I feel like it's almost like the blank canvas problem. You know, we're like, you just don't know what you're supposed to do with your life or your time or whatever. And this sort of like crisis just focuses everything. It just feels like, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And even still, it's not like the stand. It's not like the end of civilization or something like that. But Mm -hmm. it does uh, feel like a little bit of a dress rehearsal or something for something really bad. It just goes like, okay, what's important to you? Who do you love? What do you love? What do you want to do with your time? Do you want to be connecting with human beings? Like, you know, on the one hand, it's like, I feel like I'm semi agoraphobic already. Like I just started to like not want to leave the house, but it's making me actually connect more with people that I miss people. So I think that keeps happening. And, uh, and I'll segue to my question in a moment, but what, I don't know how, what about you? How's, how's it feel for you? That all makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, honestly, like I'm a little bit of a homebody anyway. So, I mean, Certainly not to this extent, but it doesn't. And I am, I'm very lucky because I'm, I like where I am, you know, I'm with Gina. There's really a lot to be grateful for, 
Um, so, but at the same time, I think what's been kind of weird to me, other than kind of being worried for like my friends in LA and New York, you know, that's where like all my friends are, um, that worries me a little bit because it, the, the evidence seems to suggest that things are really getting a lot worse in the big metro areas. Um, and, you know, I'm worried about my mom. She's by herself, but she's in DC and like, and our area is pretty suburban. So she seems to be doing well. She's working from home. Um, I think beyond that, what's just been so weird to me is that all of these kind of assumptions that we thought were pillars of our reality have been revealed to just be habit and assumption. And that's, that's weird. I just wonder if, I wonder if people are going to remember that or if we will very quickly kind of succumb to the pressure uh, to return to business as usual. I mean, all, all these things that we just assumed had to be a certain way, you know, um, like the way our healthcare system works, the way employment works, the way our kind of professional interactions work, online education. I mean, we're, we're basically conducting a giant real-time experiment right now to see how effective online education is um, you know, across all these different yeah. sectors. Um, yeah, I mean, the yeah, idea of, I, do, know, I wonder about that as well, because I think you're right. It's, it's a very strange overnight push to the left in some ways of saying like all these issues that we said were, well, online entertainment advancements for sure, but all these things that we said were like, accessibility issues of working from home like you just start with that sort of like ableist stuff like that like if you if you have to come to an office or not clearly not but then also for sure like healthcare access and things you know obviously there there's still a lot of shady like stuff going on but at least to the the extent of saying well we have this health crisis people you have to be able to have access to this without getting charged for it i still think some people are getting like bills and stuff but but like that for sure uh, the money thing. I'm very curious to see. I mean, this package is like, actually, maybe you, I don't know if you know, I mean, this is obviously it's not your, your expertise or anything like that, but I figured I'd just ask you, do you know how the, unem- like my understanding is everyone's getting this $1,200 check, but that like for not a couple months though, but that um, Bernie got this thing added in that was like unemployment benefits adds an extra 600 bucks for four months every week. But, yeah, that, but that's like if you are on unemployment, right? You have to be like laid off or fired and then file for unemployment. And then, you you know, something like that. Well, you're right. I mean, my, my understanding is that they've now extended unemployment coverage to gig workers. But I don't know practically how that works because nobody can get through. I mean, you have to call. I think you have to, you have to actually call a person in order to file for unemployment as a gig worker under these new provisions, which were put into law like on Wednesday. So I I don't know anyone who's successfully navigated that process. Although like all of my LA friends are eligible based on those criteria. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm very curious. Okay. So, and PS, anybody watching, uh, if you have any questions or thoughts, if you have any sort of like topics you'd like us to cover, feel free to just ask them in the chat. I can see that on, I think, a very slight delay. So that's a good way to get in here. And I will also say a little just business up front. Um, we might be leaving Mixer and just trying this on YouTube next week because I didn't realize 
I don't know. I'm not familiar with these platforms. So I was like, let's just pick a streaming platform. But Twitch seemed like a cesspool and Mixer seemed nice. Uh, but apparently you need to have like a Microsoft account to be able to log in and comment and engage. Um, so thank you so much to everybody who jumped through those hoops or or just use your Xbox account, I suppose, to uh, sign in here already. But we might switch over to uh, try YouTube because Allie did a stream on YouTube a couple days ago and she mentioned all this to me. She was like, you know, it's kind of complicated to blah, 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 blah. So anyway, be forewarned. We might switch over to YouTube next week. We'll see how that goes. I think we're almost yeah, I, might, I can't see you again. I might just hop out and hop back in one time. To okay, go for it. I, Let's see if it works. Can you hear me? Am I there? Yeah, I can hear and see you now. Okay, that's really weird. Maybe we'll just have to, yeah. you know, to yeah. rogue avocado. I can't tell you how much that means to me. <laughs> we're gonna do we're gonna do quarantine calisthenics today again at noon. By the way, every day we're doing it. I've gone like two weeks straight. It's amazing. That's great. Um, okay, so my thought, well, one of the like kind of a silly question I was gonna ask you, but it does get at like a sort of like human nature question. Or these are the two things I wanted to talk about. One's kind of silly and one's kind of not. The the more like one I wanted to talk about overall is the notion of toxic positivity. Have you ever like heard that phrase? <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And like this idea of because I have been experiencing like um this feeling of uh, you know, surprise at how okay I am. But in a lot of ways, I know part of ADHD is feeling good in crisis is feeling like comfortable when things are heightened or strange. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, a lot of different factors are coming from, and I've just encountered that my whole life. Whenever some like really serious, even like a uh, life or deathy type situations, I just always feel very focused and calm and good. And um, yeah. that sounds like a very like macho, macho thing to say. And it's, I don't mean it that way. It's actually like really frustrating for most of life. You're just like overwhelmed by nothing. And then when, and then you create chaos in your life. So you feel comfortable. It's terrible. Um, but that being said, I do feel kind of good in it. And I, and I, and I think it's a twofold thing part or well, threefold, maybe part of it's my brain and just my natural rhythms. Part of it is a sense of like, um, another person says it took him forever to learn how to log in and just got it. So I, <laughs> good to know. Uh, we're going to switch for sure. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, on that thing, part of it's that natural rhythm that I have, ADD, right? Just I, I get a feed coming in at the same time. Part of it is uh, a sense of a calm before the storm, a sense of like, it might get really bad. And if it gets way, way bad, I just want to enjoy this time. Like, Allie and I had this hilarious, we've been like making dinners more and like, it's just crazy how much like, in our regular rhythms, you know, like anybody who cohabitates, it's like, you know, kind of like sometimes, you know, you don't have that dinner time, you know, but we've had more like we're making dinner together. We sit down, we like make a whole meal. We, we put it on the table. We, we add, had some wine. I go, Alexa, play a sexy classical. <laughs> Just like that, you know, like horrible saxophone music. It's like very funny. Um, you know, but like engaging and it's nice. And I feel like part of me is like calm before a storm feeling. I want to appreciate whatever's going on and, and not pre freak out. Right. Not like I know something yeah. bad's coming. So I'm going to have anxiety about it twice. Um, but then also there's this other real part of me that's like philosophically saying, um, I feel like I have to be like a happy warrior It's like, it might get really bad. It It's already really bad for a lot of people and it's only going to get worse. And I truly feel like there's kind of a, not to get all like moralistic, but there's like this good and evil kind of thing where it's like, 
some people will profit off this. Some people thrive in this kind of chaos and they're going to try to make it worse and only get stronger and happier in that. And that for people who are care about other human beings and are empathetic and sensitive and worried about what's going to happen, it's incumbent on us to stay as strong and positive and, uh, you know, keeping our sense of humor, trying to stay healthy as best we can knowing it might get worse and to like uplift each other and help, you know, to be in a position where you're strong enough to help people. Like, I guess, sort of like putting your mask on on the airplane first. So, Mm -hmm. so I feel like that, that sounds very important to me, but I think there's a fine line between happy warrior trying to take care of yourself and, you know, genuinely creating sort of a, a strength. And then this notion of toxic positivity. So I wanted to talk about, well, let's just start from there. So what do you think about that? Like toxic positivity, meaning you know, people who are just like, you say something bad you're going through. I have no income. I'm broke. My job lost my job, blah, blah. And people are just like, just stay positive. You just got to fucking turn that frown upside down. You got to manifest the shit that you, that you want to have be here. I hate that. Yeah. It's bad. My my short answer is I hate that. (laughs) There are, there are a lot of uh, also just really, really quickly. I saw like a great Reddit post that was remember in like their last air avatar, the last airbender when uncle Iroh goes to prison and then he like gets out and he's just completely jacked, you know? Oh yeah. It, it was like, you know, uncle Iroh, this is what uncle Iroh did when he was trapped in the cell for however long. So no excuses. Yeah. Um, prison yeah, no, I know. I fucking, yeah. I'm doing the same thing a little bit where you're just I like, know. I know, God, it just reminds me also of like these fucking Wall Street bros doing like prison workouts, going to like prison boot camp. It's like, what a bizarre fantasy. How warped and twisted, how small must you feel on the inside to think that it's a good idea for you to do like a prison fantasy run by an ex? It's just sick. I I find it so sick. It's so sick. I will say, and just, you know, mea culpa, I definitely have in my mind, I have said before, like, maybe I could get convicted of some crime just so I could read, you know, just so you kind of like <laughs> life would make more sense. You just got to survive in here. I, maybe that's why I feel, you know, you just got to read and research things. That well, you write, it's, it's work connected out. to what you're saying before, which is like, there's so many silly bullshit responsibilities we have to worry about that. Like, I don't think our evolutionary biology was set up to help us manage like nine or 10. I know. Abstract- subscriptions and like do all this weird intermediate planning it just isn't kind of what we were built to do obviously we can do it but you know it's just not i know i I had like i bought this you know i got this truck to replace with my insurance a couple months ago and i'm really fucking stupid about like you got to go to the dmv and you know change the you know change the title over even though they signed the thing which i didn't know and uh and i was like oh i gotta do that i'm gonna do that i guess one of these days and then they were just like dmv got shut down and i'm like oh shit okay well (laughs) i mean that type of shit though where it's just like all this dumb bullshit that you have to do that's abstract and like creates this kind of persistent stress load um yeah. Well, so so I guess that's my question is how do you if somebody you know especially if there's somebody who's not in that toughest situation right who like might be like they already work from home like one of us you know and they're like faring it very well and you're having real stress like real stressors like what do you how do you respond yeah. to that? Okay, so this toxic positivity thing. So there's like a like different kind of. Um, intervention strategies and programs and theories have different words for this. Like in recovery, they call it the pink cloud, you know, where you're like been sober for two months in rehab and you're like, I'm done with this shit forever. Like I'll never use 
drugs again. Like I feel fucking great. Let me go out and help everybody else. You know, like I, I know how to do it. I got you. Like basically discounting your own risk and danger. Um, so that's kind of like the recovery element. And, and then in DBT and dialectical behavior therapy, they also talk about this as kind of like, uh, basically as an ineffective way of regulating your emotions, which is just like unrealistic positivity. Like I got it. I'm in therapy. Everything's fixed. I'm, I'm ready for my, my biggest challenges. I'm going to take on this thing I've been meaning to do for forever. That's super hard for me. Like I got it. And the idea there is that you are oscillating between two extremes, right? One, which is the hopelessness and total ineffectiveness. And the other, which is like this unrealistic effectiveness. Whereas the truth is this uncomfortable middle ground, which is like, okay, I'm slowly gaining some skills over time and labor. I'm acquiring these skills and I'm probably not at a level of skill where I can tackle my most difficult, like lifelong persistent challenges, but I'm probably ready to do some more difficult things a little bit better. You know, I could probably work a little harder. I could probably do a little better, uh, but I'm probably not going to be able to do an excellent job on the most difficult things in my life right now at this level of skill. You know, that's like a costly mental calculus. It's hard to do that because you have to figure out, okay, like where am I on this, scale of difficulty and both things are moving targets like the scale of difficulty is kind of a moving target and the level of skill you've acquired is also a moving target you know Mm -hmm. so i think that's why it's hard and it's easier for people to go like no i'm good now i'm on the pink cloud right to use the recovery metaphor so i think when people so so a couple things one is we know the people in our lives if they're like in our lives who default to that like relentless ineffective positivity which is basically an emotion regulation strategy for themselves and it's all over the internet now it's just like so dumb right where you know everything can be overcome with your mind you know like all your problems are your fault just be positive and manifest all that kind of nonsense It, it is just that nonsense complex problems take usually uh complex solutions and that requires skill and practice so you know you don't just manifest your way through that. So, you know, when there are people in your life who have kind of fallen prey to that, like basically psycho babble nonsense. And those are not the people you should go to for validation or advice. You know, you got to go to people who are realistic thinkers. Um, so I think part of it is just pruning that kind of nonsense out of your daily life and making sure that you don't perpetuate that culture, which I think is, is toxic. I mean, no one, it doesn't help you to solve problems to just hear that. Well, you would be more positive. Like what's the path forward, you know? Yeah. That's that, uh, that is interesting because I think, I mean, I, I was like my psychiatrist earlier this week. We did our, we had our, we, I have, I have like a once a month appointment with my psychiatrist now that I'm cause I'm a psychiatrist for like medication, you know, and they yeah. just check in and see if anything needs to change. And we talk yeah, a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, and I was like saying, it was all over the phone. Nobody's doing in persons, which also meant that like some of my prescriptions can't be refilled because you can't do them over the phone. But um, I, I could tell because I, I could tell like I'm like, I actually feel like pretty good. I was like going over all the stuff that felt good that I could yeah. tell that my psychiatrist was like, oh, re- OK, really? You know what I mean? Just And it makes me start to go like re- because I could tell probably sounds like a little bit of that cloud, that pink cloud thing where you're just like, actually, I'm great. 
Actually, in this horrible time, uh, actually, I'm doing fucking great and nothing. And my psychiatrist on the other line was like, oh, okay, really? Oh, and I, I guess it was good because it made me go like, wait, 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 wait. Am I, am I doing the thing? Am I doing the thing where I'm just like, actually, I'm fucking awesome. And it's weird. It's weird. Uh, what is it stressful out there? I don't even, you know, we're like, I'm just shoving it into some weird closet of my body where I'm just right. like, and I think there's some of that going on, you know, some of that like compartmentalizing. But again, sure. I don't know. You said something a second ago, by the way, before you can feel free to respond to that however you want, but I just want to repeat it because I liked it. It was just that like complex problems require complex solutions and that that requires, uh, what'd you say? Like practice, like time and practice. Yeah. Skill and practice, you know, skill and practice. Yeah. I mean, I would. Okay. So look, I think we also have to, there are like multiple axes running through these questions. Okay. And one of them is short-term, long-term always. Like whenever you think about coping, you got to think about short-term, long-term. I think if you're in the middle of like a shit storm, it could be adaptive in the short term to be like, I'm going to fucking handle this. You know, like I got this, that could be very adaptive to get out of a crisis, right? By crisis, I mean something that requires an immediate response that has serious consequences. Okay. But that's not a long-term strategy. Like right. a long-term or even intermediate strategy probably requires like some scaffolding, some stacking of potential solutions, some trial and error, you know, compartmentalizing in the sense of breaking a complex problem into smaller chunks and solving each of those chunks one at a time, like DMV, for example. Okay. Getting the form, making an appointment, going to get the smog done, like all the, you know, that's like a full step problem to get your fucking, you know, right. Registration sticker, whatever, just for an example. So, you know, short-term, long-term is one issue. And then, you know, um, doing some kind of like honest check-in, like, okay, is this, what kind of problem is this in my suite of solution, so probable solutions, like which one probably is going to be a good fit. Uh, did it work after I tried it? Like how well did it work? You know, is the problem solved? How do I feel? Because, you know, not doing that complex problem and just chilling on the internet's a great problem solving strategy for my immediate anxiety. Yeah. It's not a great problem started problem solving strategy for that intermediate term actual task I have to get done. Well, that's a, that's a good, that's maybe that's a good question for that about like the toxic positivity thing maybe part of why the toxic positivity thing, because I also don't ever want to, I think this is what gets tricky about it is, um, is that if I have a, a brain that goes black and white and extreme is I hear this criticism of the notion of toxic positivity. And then I'm like, oh, so I can't change things with my mind. Oh, oh so I'm just, I guess I am just fucked here. And I, and I, and I can like sink into going like, I have this condition. I have this brain situation. I am stuck. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't want, I don't want to take away that from myself. But so one thing that that just made me think is like maybe focusing on like and, and this is a question I'm asking, I guess this is so please respond to not like I'm saying this concretely. The thought that occurs to me is that maybe my feeling isn't necessarily the best benchmark of how well I'm doing and that there I could measure that perhaps better if I picked like things I was trying to accomplish, like, a, you know, whether they are like uh, finishing certain work things or, or task hobby things or just getting out of bed or I don't know, yeah. maybe, maybe is that a better way to measure my wellness? Well, look, so I think um, I really think the kind of like uh, Buddhist formulation is the most accurate and helpful here, which is that all emotions are transient. They will all come and they will 
all go. No emotion that you felt ever, even if it's the most intense emotion that you've ever felt, has stuck around at that level of intensity forever. It, it can't and it won't. It's just limited by our biology. So that's just a like a kind of existential truth of emotion is that it arises and passes away. That's the, the nature of emotions are to arise and pass away. So you got to think like, is it a, is it effective to peg all of your evaluations of how you're doing on something that inherently arises and passes away? I don't think so. I mean, right. now certainly I want to experience good emotions. And when I do experience them, I want to enjoy the shit out of them, like enjoy the hell out of those positive emotions when they arise, you know? And when I'm feeling like negative shitty emotions, I I don't enjoy that. You know, I don't want to feel those things at the same time. I know that they're going to arise and pass away. Now, are there conditions in my life that make it more likely for positive emotions to arise more frequently and persist for longer. Yeah. There are probably conditions that contribute to that. Similarly, are there conditions that contribute to negative emotions arising more frequently, intensely and sticking around for longer? Yeah, totally. So those conditions I think are the things we want to be working on, but those conditions, you know, the causes and conditions of our transient emotions those are things that typically take like, you know, longer term work. Yeah. And our emotional state in the moment is going to have an impact on how effective we are working on those things. But just our emotional state is not an effective tool for changing those causing conditions. In my view, you referred to something a few weeks back, which I've been like almost daily bring it up again, doing the workouts and stuff is that triangle of thoughts, feelings and behaviors. Yeah, the cognitive triangle. It's yeah. just called the cognitive triangle. Yeah, because that I mean that is uh, so helpful and true, and like I've been finding it really in practice with the workout things because there are definitely, yeah. you know, I mean I don't know the last time I was this consistent with anything in my life, but with exercise in particular, there are days I really don't want to do it. I'm like I'm just like sure. maybe I can get away with like we finally need a rest day or something like that, you know. But I'm like ah, but that's the whole point is we show up every day. We just do it, you know. I can change it to like a, a mobility day or something, but. Um, anyway, and I've just found that like, also by the end of the 30, 40 minutes that we do it, I've never regretted it. I always feel way better by the end of it. And that just yeah. seems like proof in the pudding of this like behavior over thoughts and feelings thing is just do the behavior and see if your thoughts and feelings come along with. Yeah. Um, I would just add one thing is that the, you know, there are like a lot of these concepts that are interrelated, but another one is fusion and defusion. So the idea that when we're fused to our emotional experience, it's like, it's right up in our, it's like, you know, you taped a piece of paper to your face with that emotion written on it and you just cannot see anything else. And then defusion is when you're, then there are like a lot of strategies for this. One is just like narrating, I am having the experience of X, you know, so that you differentiate between the context of the experience, you and the experience that you're having, which is transient, like the paper stuck to your face. So this, I, this act of defusion, making space in between you, the perceiver and the emotion, the mm. experience that you're having in the moment, you know, when you create that space, you reduce intensity and you make room for a lot of other things to get in there as well. You know? Um, That's so good. is it, diff, is the word like defuse or diff like D I F F or D E F? D E. Okay. Like, so defuse. 
Yeah, rather than yeah. diffuse. Yeah. Wait, so can you talk a little bit more about those strategies to defuse? I, that one you said about like uh, narrating, self-narrating sounds really interesting. Yeah, so there's a there's a treatment approach called acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT, not ACT, ACT. They're very particular about that. Okay. And it was developed by this guy, Steve Hayes, who's a psychologist at actually University, University of Nevada, uh, Reno. And it's, it uses a bunch of, so the central premise is that a lot of our distress comes from being fused to our experiences. So there are a lot of strategies that he uses to practice defusion. One of them is just like repeating a word over and over and over again until it starts to lose meaning, like saying milk, you know, 500 times until you're just like, what the fuck? It's just like a sound. It does. I'm just arbitrarily assigning meaning. It's pretty like intensely philosophical. It's fun if you like that stuff. Um, honestly, it sounds like an acting exercise, like which is maybe funny that it's called act. There's called Meisner and Meisner technique. One of the yes. things is repetitions. You know, one of the things is just get on stage oh, yeah. and do nothing. Having a lot of act, like actor friends in LA has shown me how much overlap there is between like a lot of these techniques and, and yeah. acting. Things. Well, I mean, I honestly do think sometimes I acting things come up because you're just like the whole point of acting is like making your reality malleable. It's like convincing yourself other things are true. <laughs> so there's a lot of overlap. I mean, the other, you know, the other one, which is like more cognitive and people like roll their eyes at this a lot. And I did too, the first time I heard it, but it's just when you're like having an intense experience, just literally saying the sentence, I am feeling. And then the emotion word angry. I am feeling anxious. I am feeling sad right now, or I am having the experience of sadness right now. I'm having the experience of anger or frustration. And it almost sounds like silly when you say it, but that's the idea. Now you've introduced space between you and your experience for another experience, which is like, this is silly, or like, I feel like this is dumb or whatever. There's now space in between that intense anxiety, sadness, anger, frustration, whatever, and this other experience. And you've just introduced that with language, right? Which is like the thinking part of that cognitive triangle. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if you kind of default to that, you just retrain your brain to, because all of our thinking is conditioned by language, right? And there are many like philosophers who've talked about this, like Chomsky talks about this all the time, that your reality is actually conditioned by your language. And so you really can't experience reality once you become verbal in a way that's like separate from language. And so if you change your language, you, you do change the way you understand and structure your reality. And so by saying... I am some. I am in this moment experiencing this emotion. You're teaching yourself a different way of uh, cognition. Essentially, you're you're teaching yourself that there's me, there's this time, and there's this experience, and all those three parts are happening. Rather than I'm so angry, which is like just yeah. this one thing, this intense emotion. Right. Wow. That's that really, yes, that's great. That's so helpful because I don't think I've never heard anybody like break down in a granular way how to do that work of separating your, I don't know, egoic sort of truth from an experience that your body is having. Like what are the, or how it <laughs> yeah. works, the mechanic of it like that. And And this is what I love so much about it. And really this stuff, I mean, like this really is just lifted directly from buddhism or like been you know it's been like it gets to this like positivist kind of uh scientific orientation where it's like is truth constructed or is it discovered and like this shit fuck i mean yeah cognitive therapists like talk about this stuff but buddhists were writing about it you know 5000 bc so 
it's also more accurate. It's not just like better for you. It's more, it's more accurate. Right. It, it's more, it's closer to the kind of behind the veil, you know, it's, it's closer to the to actual reality. There's you, which is another kind of construct compiled by things, but just, you know, because it's easy, we'll call it you. There's you, there's now, and there's this experience that's arising in your perception. I mean, that's all happening. You know, that's more real. That's a, a more real observation than just like, oh, I'm angry. Yeah. Like, what, is that, what does that mean? You know? Yeah. It doesn't So you're talking about it like that, but what is it really? Well, it's this collection of temporal factors, external causing conditions, you, the perceiving architecture, and then you, the kind of material giving rise to the experience, like all of that's happening. And when you look at it that way, you just will feel less intense about it. Now, does that mean you don't have to pay your fucking bills? No, you got to pay them. And like, that's stressful for real. But that that's why in Buddhism, there's a middle road, right? There's this intermediate reality. There's the kind of unreality of all these disparate things colluding to produce an experience. But then there's like the immediate consequences that do need to be handled, right? I mean, that's the kind of balance. Yeah, no, that's very helpful though. I do think it's helpful also to point out that it is, especially, I don't know, I think a lot of people who are very like rational minded, um, who already have an instinctive uh, rejection of sort of manifestation theology, you know, or or um, any sort of that toxic positivity stuff, it is who might have more difficulty doing this because they think, you know, they think it is actually, I think, really important to point out that it is a more accurate description of what's happening is like the identity that you have crafted over many years of as a, a biological organism, but also your conception of who you are as a person and how you respond to events that happen. That's something that you're experiencing right now. Totally. You know, not that it's real, not that this is like, you know, of course it is, but it's not that it's, it's a more accurate way to describe what you're observing. Yeah. I mean, I often, so like I have off, like my brain just makes these funny, like to me, funny, uh, like cartoons of these toxic positivity things, like someone screaming at a pile of laundry, like be clean, you know, or things like that where, yeah, great. Thank you all for this, you know, for this be positive exhortation, but how do you do the things, you know? And so another thing I think about is like these two, if you ever watch like these, when I had my dog, I would like watch, consume a lot of dog training uh, material. So there's like the Caesar Milan dude, but then there was also this British show called it's me or the dog. And like Caesar Milan's vibe is like, you know, show is like change your energy, like change your energy. Like that's what he would do. And then the, it's me or the dog woman would be like, okay, here's, here's the repetitive tasks you need to perform with your dog. And here's how you treat them with the clicker in order to reinforce the behavior. Right. You know, And obviously I'm a, I fall on that side of things, yeah. but this is all to say that it's fine to be, it's great to be positive, but what's missing is the mechanism of action. What is the mechanism of action? Yeah. Positive state of mind typically is going to help you perform actions more effectively, but it's not enough. It's just the, the ground that then you need to perform the action on. So what is the action that needs to be performed and how can you best perform that action? That, that's what I think is, you know, missing. Yes. Building those habits is like challenging. I guess. Well, so that's, I don't know, one simple one that's like you described though a few minutes back that is just 
seems helpful. Is that is that one of trying to get in a mode of just self-narrating what's going on? It's funny. I had a friend, um, I think I mentioned on here before, but a friend of a friend, and it's become sort of a little internal joke. I think it started as a joke with them and now it's spread where it's, uh, you know, he had a therapy thing that said like, uh, his therapist was like, when you are having a good time, if you realize you're having, because he was feeling so bad so much that you realize, oh, you're hanging out with friends or something, you, you're laughing, things that you stop and you go, oh, I'm having a good time right now. I am enjoying myself. And yeah. so it's turned into this very funny um, thing where we sometimes we do this bit with each other, like our friends where we're just where things are going good and we and we go like, I am feeling good right now. This is fun. <laughs> And yeah, I'm enjoying myself, but it actually That's is really good. nice. You could do that, yeah. But just that ability to—I don't know, I don't know—putting that trigger into reflexively self-narrate seems. Is there like a, a good trick to doing something like that? So, you, if you are used to getting carried away with your feelings, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know the kind of I think um, in the beginning, like pegging it to a particular time. So maybe when you if there's like kind of a, a time that you are a little more reflective in every day, like maybe right now, maybe it's like at breakfast, you know, usually I'm like rushing out the fucking door, but right now, like my breakfasts are chill. So at, at breakfast, maybe might be one to like put an alarm in your, like the alarm in your phone, like therapists love the alarm in your phone, put an alarm in your phone at a certain time and put in the line of the alarm, narrate your experience, you know, do that at noon every day, do that at hmm whatever, 4 p.m. every day, just to start practicing. And then you'll find yourself doing it more frequently. But but yeah, you need to do it because basically the idea is not that you are just being your natural self and you're not doing that. You're not. You're just practicing another behavior that you practice for a long time, which is not doing that. You know? Yeah. It's not as if that's somehow more authentic or real. You, that's just the one you've been practicing longer. So, yeah. you know, when you're not doing that, you're practicing the alternative, which is fusion to your emotional experience. So might as well practice the one that's like, healthier for you you know yeah totally we can really we can really get away from you like those sort of it's funny this is uh i mean i this is a really funny thing that made me think of but um i know you'll appreciate it i took a defensive handgun course one time a while ago and the first day of the class is just uh talking about legality of self-defense basically you know it's yeah. just like and Never pointing anything you're not willing to destroy. Well, that for sure. But then, but like literally getting into like, when are you allowed to shoot someone? Basically, you know, um, and it's actually very profound, I thought. And I was like, this is probably very yeah. good for a lot of the people coming to this class because the big message they're trying to get across to people is uh, like in the stupidest terms is basically like you can't shoot someone because you're mad or because you're scared. That like understanding, obviously anger is obvious, like just because somebody's made you mad, you can't act in a certain way towards them. But to make you understand also, also just because you're afraid is not a good reason. That's not an okay reason to harm somebody else. And that like getting into the granular aspects of like, if you are objectively in danger of grievous bodily harm or death, that's when you're allowed basically. And that that even becomes obviously subjective to like, what's a jury going to say after. So that's like, you know, whatever. But uh, there was this one um, glib little thing they said that like, if somebody, if you act in self-defense, they said, um, if you have uh, hot ears, it's murder. And if you have cold hands, it's self-defense that like, when you're really angry, like that this body response to anger is to like get flushed and feel heat in your head in this kind of tunnel vision. And that the yeah. body response to true self-defense fear is like, 
blood rushes away from your extremities and you get like numb fingers and toes, which I've experienced even just in jujitsu. But um, but this idea of being able to even in extremely heightened situations, try to connect with like what is going on with me right now, despite whatever alarm bells are blaring and telling me to behave in a certain way. Right. I mean, this, yeah, exactly. And, and God, it is fucking scary. I'm trying to think, I'm just remembering back to people in my CCW class. Like what if somebody's run through my yard out my window? I'm like, good Christ, you know, but <laughs> yeah, but just get the fuck out. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, this is why we should not rely on temporally bound transient intense experiences to make like values decisions. You know, it, it's data, like it's information. It gives, it's important information. Like our emotions are important information, but they probably shouldn't be the sole source of information for making important decisions, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, patterns of emotion over time, like, okay, that starts to like put together, you know, like more reliable data, yeah. you know, that's, that's like a longitudinal, you know, pattern of data. So that's like more informative, um, but like momentary transient, really intense emotional experiences like that, that just shouldn't be your deciding factor unless it, it's doing what it's designed to do, like in a kind of fight, flight or free scenario, which is like save your life. You know? Right. Then, then, um, uh, well, I was going to, and again, I'm just going to put one more call. Out. If anybody has a question or something they want to ask, um, I think, you know, today I was just so dumb about, I was so like doing other things all week. I didn't put out our pod till yesterday, but, um, so if anybody has a topic that they could bring up, please ask it because we'll probably wind down here pretty soon because uh, there's already a lot of good stuff. But I was going to ask you, this is totally like just silly and off topic. And I just was thinking about this and I was just like in our dystopian fantasizing, right? If like we're in Mad Max, right? Like if we turned into Mad Max, do you think like, what do you, what does a therapist do in Mad Max? Like, do you think you would still figure out a way to like try to help people through their you know what I mean? What do you become like? What What do you do with the instinct to help people if things get like, you know, like less civilized? I'm not talking about like, like I literally I think what I'm trying to ask is like, with without the standard structures of our things because they're just in a very slight way breaking down. How do you continue like living your values and try to like your purpose? You know what I mean? You, whatever your function is. I mean. So yeah, that's something I think about. I do think, and I, I believe this is supported by the evidence, uh, one large piece of evidence being the fact that we're all still around. I think that there, we, are, we are just social creatures, and I think we do have a bias towards helping each other um, because it's necessary for our survival, you know? So I think that human beings as social creatures and primates just do have a bias towards helping each other. It doesn't mean we can't be little awful, vindictive, violent, horrible pieces of shit. We, we certainly can be. And we all have that, you know, innate capability, I think, or at least most of us do. Um, but I do, I also think we have a really strong bias towards helping each other. So there's this guy, there's a YouTube channel and this guy's getting a lot of attention now, as you might imagine, he's called the sensible prepper. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, but the sensible prepper, you know, in one of his recent videos, he was saying, um, you know, a lot of people who do like prepping stuff have this kind of like a lone wolf mentality. Like I'm going to stack my 
hoard of supplies and I'm going to like shoot people who try to take them. It's like, but really the people who survive in disasters and we can see, you know, people who survived across disasters are the ones who get a good group of people around them and cooperate. Well, that's, who's going to do well, you know? So, you know, this instinct to help and cooperate, like, yeah, I, um, I think, and if you, you know, you look at, uh, so like my field is social work, this is like kind of a, trait amongst social workers like my colleagues and friends are doing amazing stuff man they're like organizing they're disseminating supplies they're doing a ton of like helpful good effective stuff and i think that that's you know what i would hope to try to continue to do um in some capacity regardless of the intensity and severity of what's going on i mean i think you know baseline default i would like want my family to be safe and that's what i would trying to take care of, you know, but from a position of relative safety. Yeah. Like that's what, you know, that's my work. That's like, it's the only work I want to do. Yeah. And I would try to keep find a, I would try to find a way to keep doing that. I yeah. hope, you know, I Dude, hope that's so, my, I want to, I feel like that's a, that's a movie. That's a, that's a post-apocalypse story I haven't seen that I'd really like to like the one, the, the one practicing therapist who's still, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> in like bullet town or whatever like you know yeah he's got an office set up and like these raiders like mohawks and football pads come in and they're just like i don't know just experiencing a lot of anxiety (laughs) dude it's something i fantasize about a lot like you know ufc's here in nevada like i want to i wish i could find out a way to like go do some like some work with those folks with like mma fighters and stuff i I think they could use it it's so strange Oh, it's so intense. I mean, they have to be good under pressure. They don't get to that level without right. like being pretty good under pressure anyway. Have you have you yeah. watched um uh Fighting in the Age of Loneliness? No. What is oh, that? Oh my god. You will love it so everybody out there. It's especially if you're a fan of MMA, but these um I forget the name. It's a it's a big sports uh SB Nation, maybe or something like that. They did this like six part YouTube series about kind of like the history of MMA. Um, from like the late 80, early 90, but even further back, like where did jujitsu come from? Brazilian jujitsu and, you know, and all this stuff. And uh, it's called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. And it is so good. It's so beautiful. It's made by some of my, one of my favorite like uh, writers who like, you know, writes a lot of articles on the internet and stuff. Um, but anyway, I'll send you the link and anybody yeah. else just check it yeah, out. Right. Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. You'll consume it. It's like six parts of like 10 or 15 minutes each, but you'll just like blaze through. It's really well done. It's so interesting. And and when they talk about these fighters and like the kind of people who get in, who got into this sport when it was starting, basically like these weirdos, like that it's all these like outcasts and that you're looking for this like connection kind of that like, it's really beautiful. Um, but I, I think you'll really like it. On that note, we can just segue into like don't kill yourself list stuff if you have anything. I'm yeah. just gonna I would say that it's actually very good. And then also uh, stupid, but potatoes, man. I was I'm like rediscovering potatoes in uh, <laughs> in my nightly dinners or whatever. And uh, wow, there's like nothing better than potatoes. I made these one the other night. I made these smashed potatoes. I don't even worry about it, like a smooth like mash. I don't even, I don't care about it. I want to just like leave the skins on. You boil them with like a little uh, goat yogurt and some, uh, a little goat kefir. And then I ground up some goat Gouda and it was like this goat potato. Oh my God. Delicious. (laughs) Well, okay. My two things is that we finally like got the fuck out of the house and went for a nice drive in the desert mountains uh, yesterday, which was great. Actually a lot of people out. So we didn't 
exit the vehicle, but it was still just really nice to get the fuck out of the house. And I also made some canna oil. I made some canna oh. coconut oil. How'd yeah, you I can't. Do you just decarb it in uh, coconut oil? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I did a shitty job. I like did it uh, um, in like 45 minutes. And then I accidentally threw out most of the oil thinking it was water, but oh. yeah, like an idiot. But I, Proof of concept. It was yeah. effective. I can't like inhale smoke right now. I feel like I'm having like a little bit of an asthma thing, which mm-hmm. I have. Um, but that works great. Helps me like sleep well. So uh, yeah, yeah I, I've made that once too um, with my brother. It's good to do with like a shake or, or like just leftover seeds and oh. stems. And if you have like a bunch of that stuff and we had collected a ton of like just random old, you know, stuff yeah. from a, a friend who gave us some, some old stuff. And it's great to just throw that in a pot with, um, and de- you know, we're talking about cannabis, but I don't know if anybody, and, uh, because you can still get stuff out of it. Um, yeah. you gotta be careful not to burn it. I think is the right. thing. That was the, um, yeah. but we ended up with like a bunch of jars of this coconut oil. That was like crazy. It was like green oil and it was like, yeah, someone it took like. a spoon yeah. of it and like conked out. I mean, it was, I don't know how it was, it was just crazy strong. I, we had, we got one question. I just want to like, as long as we got somebody, I just thought I'd, um, they said, what do you suggest for someone with depression? Who's almost too good at this quarantine? In other words, do you suggest creating a schedule or routines to retain motivation? And, uh, I feel like that's pretty related to a lot of the stuff we were talking about today, but, uh, I, I'd love to get just granular on that answer. Cause somebody asked. Yeah. Well, what I would say first is, uh, to, um, Instead of thinking about retaining motivation, which I think you should give yourself permission to, uh, uh, you know, disentangle yourself from, if motivation shows up, awesome, use it. If it doesn't, it's not a reason to not do things. So what I would do is, yeah, figure out which are the tasks that are important to you. And if you're really feeling depressed, I would break it into two categories. One is things that give you a little bit of pleasure. And you may be thinking, well, nothing gives me pleasure things that used to give you pleasure or give you like a little blip on mood. And if you don't get any blip on mood, like you're just down and you feel no blip on mood from any activity, things that used to make you feel good. Okay. A couple of things like that. And a couple of things that are like mastery behaviors. And these are things, mastery behaviors are things that they may not make you feel good at all. Like it might be like making your bed, you know, or like vacuuming. I don't enjoy vacuuming, but after I finish vacuuming, which Gina makes me do, I'm like, I'm glad I did that. It's better that I did that. Right. I don't, I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. But afterwards I'm like, all right, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. the vacuum is fucking done or like loading the dishwasher. I don't enjoy it at all. Yeah. It's a pain in my dick. But afterwards I'm like, all right, it's done. That's totally. good. You know, or I brush my teeth, things like that. So if you're feeling really depressed, give yourself like three or four things that either do or used to give you pleasure and three or four things that give you a little bit of mastery. And none of those things can be like higher than five out of 10 difficulty when you're just starting. Okay. And just schedule in one or two of those things a day and detether that for motivation. It, you don't need to be motivated to do those things. Just do them and see how you feel afterwards. And that's how I could, would, you know, and then you could scaffold them up What's, and, you know, there's more complexity to it. But in the beginning, just a couple of things to give you pleasure, a couple of things to give you mastery, schedule those in and just try to make yourself, if you're not doing any, try to make yourself do one this week. And if that becomes easy, add in another one this week cool. and then you keep on adding. Wait, is master, mastery would be like, is what you're saying, like chores and things like that. Something that's like 
It's going to be, yeah, more or less. It can be different for everybody, but things that give you a sense of accomplishment. A is sense what I mean. of accomplishment. Okay, that's a good definition. And don't shit on yourself. If if you haven't brushed your teeth at all this week and you're like, you brush your teeth today, don't, don't allow the shitty part of your mind who's trying to fuck you over to be like, well, you should have done that anyway. Fuck that part of your mind. It's not helping you at all. So just tell it to shut up and put it back in the corner. And good for you if that if you haven't done that at all, and it gives you a little bit of a sense of accomplishment. That's awesome. That's good. You did your job, then. Yeah, that that's oh, oh, oh. Actually, Anthony. Okay, so somebody asked this. I will answer you in just a question. I will stay on this point for a second. Yes, this uh, that's actually so helpful. It's so helpful to c- categorize them as mastery and pleasure, and also just to be able to objectively make yourself a list of things. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. It was just something in my throat. I'm fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, I was going to say one one quote. I mean, I love stupid, like glib, badass quotes. Uh, they just help me. You know, I love like. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, it's we need it. Um, one of them, though, is that uh, inspirations for amateurs, which is um, not something that I necessarily, you know, adhere to all the time. Although I will say I've been making myself do it because, well, two things. One, I've made myself accountable to other people. I got to go live at noon and do the workout. So that helps me create body doubling accountability. But uh, this idea that of like discipline of just like, you just got to do it. And part of it, I think I realized the other day, like we were doing also is doing some like cleaning of the, the kitchen and and for whatever reason, I just will never get out my childish response to washing dishes or something where I'm just like, I'm grumpy. I don't like to, even though I know the kitchen's clean, I feel way better. I feel so good. So part totally. of it, I, I was even doing like kind of the thing um, with Allie where I know I was kind of getting like grumpy and like internal where I have to be like, no, I'm actually not upset. I love that we're doing this. Like I have to say out loud, it's like, I just react this way because of this, but I'm glad we're doing it. It's my, it's something I like to do. I prefer it to be clean, even though yeah. I'm acting pissed. Yeah. You don't have to enjoy it in the process. You can just feel good when it's done, which is the mastery. Here's what I would say though, about like inspiration and motivation to use a video game metaphor. That's a power up, man. You know, like I'm playing Doom right now. And if I get the like fucking, you know, brutality overdrive power up, awesome. That helps me, you know, clear out the room. Yeah. But I cannot rely on that. It's a power up. Right. So if you get the power up or you find one, dope, man, that's great. But most of the games can be played without the power up, you know? Yeah, I think I think that's really important because I know I've, I had some good days like last week, which just sat, felt amazing. I was like, have I ever been depressed? It's so gone from this is amazing. I'm cured. And it's like if I get too carried away with that kind of stuff sometimes when it goes away. And even in the moment, I was like, I'm really hoping this isn't like I'm just in a manic phase in a couple of weeks. I'm going to, you know, but I really hope this isn't what's going on. But but just because like. I do feel like uh, if I get too attached to those sorts of feelings, then I, I, I'll I do that like two steps forward, one step back thing that just fucks with me. That just makes me. And then I'm like, oh, God, I'm still a piece of shit. Oh, I thought I was cured. I'm, I'm back to the same. You know, what yeah. I mean? if I get too attached to like, I've got this thing. No, I'm cured. And then you slide back or something like that. Yeah. Right. It, I think it's really about making it a longitudinal study versus a single time point study. Yeah. It's great if you can start to alter little by little the cause, the causes and conditions in your life, the parameters of your life, so that you're trending towards more positive mood for longer, more of the time. You know, that would be like a good trend line to think about. But again, all emotions are transient, 
and momentary, they arise and they fall away. It's just about over this kind of eagle's eye view, what is the trend line looking at? And how can we like nudge the trend line? That's yes. that's kind of how we want to be thinking about it, you know? Um, uh, oh, someone goes, and they responded. Thank you for explaining that. I like that idea of maybe not enjoying things, but doing them anyway for the good feeling afterwards. Uh, yeah. I'll try not to be so hard. Also do some things you enjoy though. Say that again. Both. But also do some things you enjoy. But you want to do both of those things. Yes. I think that's also just, it's a nice exercise that if you can write down because that's another thing that is it's hard to do that but if you can sit there and go like do you remember or do you even if you can't remember it do you know objectively there were things that brought you pleasure uh, at one point in your life what were those things you know that kind of a thing yeah um and then okay so uh so we got this comment i found a pack of 50 medical grade masks droplet specific in my cleaning stuff i've had them for a while i work in medical what should i do with them uh, I'm going to see if I get this right. I believe, um, we sent some masks out that we found from a table that we worked on. I had some, um, N95 masks just, we found in the garage. We sent them out. If you go to maskmatch.com, uh, it's mask dash match. I'll just put it in the chat here. Um, we sent, uh, we only had like four masks, but there was some hospital in Michigan or something like that that could use them. So we, yeah. so we sent it there. Um, but I think, Allie did that one and she usually finds good sources and stuff through ologies and everything like that. So that one, uh, maskmatch.com, I believe, uh, is one good option for finding places to send extra stuff that you got that you're not using. Um, okay. That's it guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, uh, for, you know, I've been really enjoying this obviously. Uh, we'll keep doing it. I think we're going to do it on YouTube next week. I'll put the new links to all that and we'll try it out. And, um, otherwise thank you. If you support us on uh, Patreon, it's www.patreon.com slash my good, bad brain. That rocks. That's so helpful. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put these up as pods, uh, sooner than a day before this week. Um, also if you like this shirt or other things, you can go to my good, I made this little dopamine character a little dopey on sweatshirts and things like that and that helps support this thing too and um yeah i don't know that's it thank you for listening uh do you, do you have anything dr nick you want anybody to find you anywhere or anything like that well no i mean again the twitter is the best way to get a hold of me i think um yeah that's probably the best Are you way dr uh, nicholas bar one yes on twitter killer all right guys thanks so much we'll see you guys uh i'm gonna play this uh theme song like i do at the end and then um, <laughs> after I rewind it to the beginning because I still haven't figured out uh, all of these tools because I keep getting caught up in other things until it's suddenly Sunday morning. Woo! All right. Thanks, Dr. Nick. You're the best. You guys are the best. See you next week. Okay. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is beautiful. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.